Virtually overnight, rising prices have replaced COVID as the big story that almost everyone is talking about. Inflation is back with a bang. With inflation at its highest level in 20 years, the costs of fuel, rent and shopping are on the up. Everything going up and nothing coming down. Winter energy bills are up, prices are climbing in the supermarkets and thousands of people across Ireland are really feeling the pinch. This happens to me at least once a week when you go to buy something and you're just praying, like that feeling that it goes through and the embarrassment when it doesn't. Cheryl Barry is a mum of two from Waterford and she receives the one parent family payment while she studies for her master's. But recently it's become evident that her money isn't going quite as far as it used to. I'd be kind of looking sometimes at my bag of groceries and I'm like, 40 quid, 40 quid on what? I've got one day's dinner out of that and maybe a bit of fruit and yogurts. There's no meat. As the government struggles to come to terms with this problem, people like Cheryl are just trying to get by one day at a time. You're failing at providing. The most essential thing as a mother is to provide and you're failing at that. So that's how it makes you feel like an absolute failure in life. I'm Sarah Chapalak and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, what is behind climbing prices and just how bad could things get? Connor, for today's episode, you've pushed aside your podcast presenter hat and you've pulled on your consumer affairs correspondent hat to chat with me about the price hikes that we've been hearing a lot about over the last couple of weeks. Just how serious is this problem? Circa, it's an incredibly serious problem. When we talk about rates of inflation, we tend to talk in percentages. And the current rate of inflation is 5.5%. Now, 5.5% probably doesn't sound like a lot. But the reality is it's the highest inflation has been in more than 20 years. But even that doesn't paint the full picture. Because I think when you're talking about these rising prices, you need to talk in terms of cold, hard cash. And the reality is for most Irish families, they will be worse off over the course of 20 2022 by at least 2,000 euros when compared to 2021. And that 2,000 euros is just so that they can keep food on their tables, keep their cars on the road and keep their homes moderately warm and bright. So that's how serious the problem is. And that's why it has spooked the government from Michal Martin all the way down. Because in so many respects, inflation is like the third rail of politics. And if you get inflation wrong, everything else that you do as a government can quickly fall apart. €2,000, that's, that's a significant amount of money. So what is driving all of these higher costs, Connor? Well, there's so many different things driving the costs. It's, it's like a perfect storm. So obviously, one of the things that we have seen in the last six or eight months has been a dramatic increase in the cost of energy prices across the world. And it has to be said that the fossil fuel markets are incredibly volatile and they go up and they go down and they go up and they go down. And as soon as the pandemic hit they collapsed. Fossil fuel prices collapsed because there was this understanding across the global markets that there wasn't going to be the same level of demand for fossil fuels in terms of people driving, in terms of people producing product, as there might have been in in pre-pandemic times. But then, as soon as governments across the world started to get to grips with the pandemic, consumer demand spiked. And as a result, the demand for fossil fuels spiked. So that's one issue. And then you also have a problem in Eastern Europe. I mean, we all know the crisis that's unfolding between Russia and the Ukraine. 
that's having a negative impact on fossil fuel prices, as indeed are difficulties that exist with it, with a Russian gas pipeline that is supposed to feed a huge amount of the European market. But it's not all about fossil fuel prices, because we've also seen incredible supply chain issues in this country and indeed across the world. Now, in this country specifically, one of the big problems is Brexit. Brexit has had a huge impact on prices in this country. Then you have COVID making people sick in ports all around the world. And then you have simple things like the absence of HGV drivers in the UK as a result of Brexit, which means that there isn't enough supply of product. And if supply becomes an issue in the UK, it quickly becomes an issue in this country because for so many years, the two markets were interlinked. And that's why we're seeing a huge amount of price increases in our supermarkets. And just to give you an idea of what that means, if your weekly shop goes up by 15 euros, and that's not a huge amount of money, that adds the guts of 800 euros onto your annual bills. And that's an 800 euro figure that's net, which means most households will have to earn at least 1600 euros to cover that cost. And that's why it's just such a grim and depressing reality for so many people. You've mentioned the UK and Ireland and Brexit there, but what about the rest of Western Europe? Are other countries dealing with these kind of issues? Big time. And I suppose this is one of the things that the Irish government will be pointing to and has been pointing to in recent days and weeks. They're saying this is not our fault. This is a global problem. And it is a global problem because I think in the UK, the rate of inflation is 5.4% compared to our 5.5%. In Germany, it's 5.3%. In the United States, it's more than 7%. So everybody is being hit by the same problems because we're all feeding out of the same relatively small pool of fossil fuels. And that's the thing that's having the single biggest impact. It's not, as I said, the only thing, but it is the single biggest driver of inflation right now. Connor, is everyone being hit to the same extent by this dramatic spike in inflation? No, not at all. In fact, people on lower incomes are being hit far worse. And according to the government, there's around 230,000 to 250,000 Irish households who are already having to make a decision about whether to keep their homes warm or whether to put food on the table. And the government is working to address that. And we might talk a little bit about what the government's plans are shortly. But already the government has increased the fuel allowance, which is paid to about 364,000 households. And it's tweaked the eligibility to allow more people in. But if you just take that 364,000, that's that's the scale of the, of the problem uh, that we're talking about when we're talking about fuel poverty. And Connor, you spoke to a woman called Cheryl Barry, who's from Waterford. She is one of these people who is struggling to get by at the moment. What can you tell us about her? Cheryl's story will, will resonate with an awful lot of people. I have two children, one 14, soon to be 14, and I have a four-year-old, Connor. I live in a council house and I will be classed as a lone parent. She's earning no more than €280 a week and she has two children to feed, she has a car to run, she has a home to heat and she is really, really struggling to get by. It's it's not even making ends meet, you're not making anything. You're, You're given this money and you can budget as much as you can but I live not even week to week. You're lucky to get to a, I get paid on a Thursday so you're lucky to get to a Thursday. When I spoke to her over Zoom earlier this week, it, it, it was it was striking that she was wearing her winter clothes, her, her coat and her hat indoors for the very simple reason that she couldn't afford to put the heat on. It's 
absolutely freezing. I go around in my dressing gown. I go around, like I have my dressing gown, not today. I'm sitting here with my jacket on. She talked about steps that she's had to take to try and make ends meet. So she sells her clothes or her children's clothes that are no longer fit them. She sells them online. I'm be known on Dacia Buy and Sell. <laughs> well known on Dacia Buy and Sell um, in Waterford. I feel like a bit of a Del Boy and Trotter. Um, yeah, I would look at things worth of value in my home and it has got me out of a jam many a time. It was really striking how she had no wiggle room whatsoever. So were she to have to confront some kind of financial emergency, she, she, she'd have no way of, of paying for it. She kind of laughed when I asked her, did she ever spend any money on herself? Are you joking me? <laughs> I don't go out. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I've been on no staycations. I've been on no holidays. Um, I did go out once in six years. OK. Um, Just the burden of trying to keep the show on the road for herself and for her kids. Like it's taking a huge toll on her in terms of her mental well-being and her stress levels because every day she has to worry about whether or not she'll have enough to get by. It does keep you awake at night. It does make me want to work really, really hard to progress in life. Like it's a horrible, if you're doing it for years, it's a horrible, horrible position. It makes me want to fight for a better life. Cheryl mentioned to you that she pays in advance for her utilities. Is that common? And does that mean she ends up paying more? One of the great inequities of our society is that the poorest amongst us tend to have to pay more for basic services. And I'm not just talking about utilities. I can come to that in a second. But for instance, if you think about banking, as somebody who has a lot of money will pay nothing in bank charges or will pay very little in bank charges. Whereas somebody who's constantly overdrawn or is struggling to make ends meet will pay hundreds of euros in bank charges. And it's the same when it comes to prepay electricity. An awful lot of people now who are on lower incomes have these prepay meters. And the idea is that you pay for your electricity or or your gas as you go. And that way you're not confronted with huge bills every two months, which you might struggle to pay. But of course, That's great in theory, but the reality is that people who are on pay-as-you-go metered electricity tend to pay the standard unit rate for electricity or for gas, which is substantially higher than the discounted rate that a lot of companies offer. So one of the things that we would say in the Irish Times when we're trying to offer people some degree of comfort when it comes to rising costs is that, well, you can always switch your provider from company A to company B or whatever it might be. And by switching from company A to company B, you could easily knock 500 euros or 700 euros off your annual bill. But if you're on prepay electricity, you can't. You're kind of stuck to your provider. That means that somebody who's on prepay electricity is frequently paying double the price that somebody who's with a regular energy provider and can move about as they please. And they're frequently paying double that price. And that seems entirely unfair. Connor, for weeks, we have been told that these rising costs were a short term issue, a post-pandemic bounce coupled with higher energy costs. But that language appears to have changed. Is that significant? It's very significant. Even two or three weeks ago, 
all the mood music from across Europe and from within government circles in this country were all about it being a short term problem that was largely driven by higher energy costs, which would ease off as we entered the summer, because obviously during the summer there's less demand on energy, so prices fall. However, all of the people in the corridors of power across Europe and indeed in this country are now saying this is probably going to be a medium term problem. And that's really important because a key and an unknowable question is just how long these inflationary pressures that we're talking about will last. So at the start of the year, there was optimism that when the summer approached, it would ease. Now there's this kind of growing sense of pessimism that the big squeeze is likely to continue. And if the big squeeze does continue, well, then it will lead to higher cost of living supports. Uh, it'll lead to higher wage inflation. It'll lead to more demands from the public sector unions to get more money. It'll lead to higher social welfare payments, higher pension payments. And all of that then starts to spiral. And we could, and this is like a very pessimistic scenario, we could be in a scenario that the country hasn't seen since the 1980s when prices just kept going up and up and up and up and up. And then obviously the unions wanted more and more money just to keep in line with inflation. And then the the kind of wheels came off the economy in so many respects. You mentioned wage inflation there. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that might pan out in people's daily lives? Well, the bottom line is that permanently high inflation creates new pressures on any government when it comes to the annual budget. So the budget will come round and if inflation is running at 10% or 15% or 7%, well then the government will be under pressure to match that when it comes to social welfare payments. It'll also be uh, under pressure to increase the tax credits for people who are in the PAYE sector. It'll also be under pressure to increase the public sector wages. And all of those things feed into more borrowing and a less stable economy. And I mean, we haven't really been in a situation like that since the pre-Italia 90. And that's, I think, what has an awful lot of people in government and in, in financial circles a little bit spooked. And it's important to stress that we're not there yet. And this problem of inflation could still turn out to be a transitory thing. And if it does, well, then the pressures will ease off relatively quickly. So traditionally, inflation is controlled, at least in part, by interest rates. Uh, The European Central Bank sets the interest rate in the Eurozone countries, including Ireland. So how does raising interest help control inflation? And secondly, what is the ECB doing or going to do about all of this? Well, in essence, and in very simple terms, a central bank lowers its interest rates when they want to inject more money into the economy. Because if they lower the interest rates, that makes the cost of money cheaper. And if they want to cool a heating economy when prices are rising, they hike the interest rates so they can take money out of the economy. So for many years, the European Central Bank, which controls, as you say, the interest rates in this country, and for many years, its rates have either been going down or they've been static at historically low levels. And that was largely because there was no inflation across the eurozone. But with inflation now widespread and rampant, the banks will have to do something. And I suppose the big question is when. Now, the central bank is incredibly taciturn 
when it comes to its manoeuvring. And it never really speaks in plain terms. So it always gives these coded messages at every one of its meetings as to what it might do next and when it might make the next move. So the speculation today is that there will be no interest rate hikes across the Eurozone until the later part of the year. But that could change quite quickly. So at the moment, as it stands, we could be looking at a quarter of a percent interest rate hike towards the the back end of 2022. Worst case scenario, maybe would be a half a point increase. But at this stage, it's too early to say exactly what might happen. And also it's too early to say what outside forces and what external events might do to drive the European Central Bank to move maybe a little bit faster. Connor, what impact would an interest rate hike have on people's lives? Well, interest rates are the real elephant in the room when we're talking about the current spiralling inflation because, as I said, they've been very, very low for a long time. Now, that means that hundreds of thousands of Irish homeowners who have tracker mortgages linked to European Central Bank rates have not seen any movement on their mortgage repayments in years. It also has put pressure on the banks to lower their variable rates to be more in line with the rates charged by the European Central Bank. And that has put pressure on Irish banks to come more in line uh, with other European Union banks to offer consumers a better deal. But if the European Central Bank starts to up its rates, well, then all bets are off. And that is when the really, really penal hikes could be hit by people. So just to put that into some kind of context for you, Circa. If you're an average first-time buyer and you borrow €250,000 over 30 years at an average rate of maybe 2.7%, then if the European Central Bank hikes its rates by half a point, that adds €80 a month onto your repayments. Now, €80 a month mightn't sound terrible, but it would actually add more than €25,000 onto the cost of your mortgage. And it would add more than, or just under a thousand euros onto your annual mortgage repayments. Now, you add that thousand euros to the 2,000 euros that we mentioned at the outset when it comes to feeding your family, driving your car, and heating and lighting your home, and suddenly you're at 3,000 euros. And then you factor in all of the other price increases that people have to deal with, be that streaming services or be it broadband or telephones or whatever it might be. And suddenly you're looking at a very, very, very grim picture for most people in the weeks and months ahead. In your mind, Connor, how does this current price spiral end in a positive way? Well, I suppose the best thing that could happen is that it would turn out that most of the inflation was driven by energy prices. As the demand for fossil fuels starts starts to ease off in the summertime, then prices would fall back. And instead of having rates of inflation of 5.5%, we might see inflation ease back to 2.2-2.3%. And if it stayed at that level then for the rest of the year, I think we would probably avoid an awful lot of the, the carnage that might come down the tracks. And of course, the worst case scenario would be that inflation becomes embedded across the wider economy. And if that happens, and then you start to see more and more goods and services spiralling, then you start to see wages spiralling, then you start to see an awful lot more 
unrest within our society and that's when it becomes hugely problematic for the government. But more importantly, that's when it becomes hugely problematic for Irish people and for Irish households. Connor, thanks for taking the time to step out of your usual presenter's chair and for chatting with me today. Delighted to answer the questions as opposed to ask them for once. That's all for today. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan and Declan Conlon. In the News will be back on Friday.